The following is a CSPN Media podcast presentation. Good evening, Would you believe it's, it's Dr. Stu? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words. Well, how about this woman that's new on the Mr. Scott? And welcome to a special edition, a treasury edition of the Comic Book Chronicles. Yeah! Yeah! That, that's so low, Dave. It sounds like there are people screaming outside your window. Really? Yeah. That is so unfortunate. Apologies tonight, folks. This is uh, at agent underscore 70 on Twitter and Instagram. And for whatever reason, just as we're setting up and we're making some minor adjustments, my audio went to hell. So um, I have to apologize, but this is not one of our regular shows. It's a treasury edition. And this is specifically uh, to focus on Endgame joining me tonight. We hope to have the entire Voltron, but right now what we have is two thirds, uh, three quarters of it, uh, at least in terms of uh, what we have um, uh, scheduled to be on tonight. With me tonight is uh, one at PCN underscore dirt on Twitter. Uh, say hello. Hello. Yay! It's better to have that.com. I need comics.com, that new toy smell.com, vglosers.com, fans of power.com, beyond retro.com, uh, lockerroomhq.com. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you can find me. There you go. And joining us after a bit of a sabbatical to take care of family business, we have at timdog98 on Twitter. Say what's up, Tim. Hello, people out there in the interwebs. Yay! Yay! and hopefully joining us at some point tonight will be roddy cat on twitter um he said he's going to uh take care of some business beforehand and hopefully jump on while we are uh broadcasting so uh without further ado we are here tonight to talk about one of the more momentous film events of our lifetimes at least so far because we don't know what's going to happen in the future. But at, to this point, I think it's safe to say this is the comic book movie we never thought we'd see. And it finally came because we are as PCN underscore dirt. And I'm going to focus on him is putting up. We are in the end game now. This so. is it. This is what it's all been leading to ever since the after credit scene of the original Iron Man. Exactly. Everything led up to this is the culmination of at the end of this movie, the culmination of 22 films up to up to Endgame. It was 21, including Endgame. It's 22. So uh, we could just start with our, a quick overview of our thoughts on the movie. I'll, I'll start by saying that uh, it's an incredible send off to the Infinity Saga section of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. What do you guys think? I, it was funny after it ended. <laughs> I actually, um, I was cool on not having any more MCU films for a while. Like I feel like I needed a break, but then they gave us this uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home trailer that we'll talk about later. And now I'm like, oh, okay, 
I guess I can keep this train going. Yeah, technically, I guess Far From Home is the end of this chapter of the MCU. So this is, we, we still have one more to go technically, but right. uh, like I thought it was, it was good. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was good. I thought uh, it's definitely, if, if you're someone who hasn't been watching a bunch of these films, this is the absolute worst movie. Uh, you would possibly try to jump in on. Very true. Um, but you know, it 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 had a lot of stuff. It threw a lot of stuff at you uh, for being. I mean, really, what it is is that summer spectacle movie. It's that explosions and 3D and IMAX and you know whatever for being that type of thing. It is what it is, and it fulfills that role perfectly. Um, but you know, it's it it doesn't really stand on its own. And because of all the time travel stuff, there are some issues. Oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. That's definitely part of my notes. Um, I think it's not fair to, comp- to to take this as a movie on its own. I think that's a fair criticism, but I also think it's unfair because it's a lot of people have compared the MCU movies to episodic television, like really long and really expensive episodic television and i see that but at the same time we get back to what i've always said is that the mcu marvel studios has made all of us accustomed has has made all of these all of the movie viewers accustomed to the comic book style of storytelling where there's episodes and yeah it is similar to television so if you don't know what happened five episodes ago it's going to hinder your appreciation and understanding of what's happening in the big finale yeah but at the same time i think you could take a movie like thor ragnarok and you really don't have to have seen the other thor movies Maybe right. you only saw the first Avengers movie. Maybe you've just heard enough people talk about it. It's enough of a pop culture thing that you can watch that one and it doesn't really matter. Right. Like if that's the only one you've ever seen, you still you're still able to like, oh, okay, you know, like I get it. It you know. Right. Even even immediately after the movie, uh, uh, a friend of mine asked, "Is this the the best Marvel movie?" And I said, "It's not fair because I think the best standalone Marvel movie is still Winter Soldier." You know, it stands on its own from start to finish as a great movie, whereas I think Endgame really requires so much more knowledge um, and really serves as and, you know, and I've, and I've seen this as a as a as a as a as a bit of praise, not even as um, a criticism that this was every bit of fan service you would ever want. Right. Every single you know, corner of the Marvel universe, Marvel cinematic universe was, was ser- every fan of every corner was served, you know, bits and pieces here and there. And you, you were happy at the end. So I think uh, that's what this movie served to be. Yeah. And again, I'll say, you know, it was good, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't say it was great. Like some of the other films, like, you know, guardians of the galaxy, I think is another one that stands on its own. If right. you've seen nothing else in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you can watch that, and that's a great film. Mm-hmm. So you don't need the other stuff, whereas this one requires the other stuff. So I would say it's not quite as good as some of those others because it exists really just, as you said, as the fan service. It's there to be that big blockbuster. It's here to fit that slot in the schedule. Um, right. You know, It's what you expect at this point of the year. You know, so it 
it's it's fine for what it is. It's a good film, but yeah, it's not. Right. I wouldn't say it's the 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 best thing right. in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I definitely have to say that it's uh, maybe the most crowd pleasing. That's the <laughs> that's the, uh, the 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 the, the follow up to that. Um, what are some of your favorite scenes from the movie? I know there's some uh, real crowd pleasers, some real shockers. So I wanted to go through what our favorite scenes in the movie were. I liked jumping kind of middle of the movie. I liked seeing uh, Cap give his speech before they jump in the quantum realm to do their time traveling. As as Rocket says, he's good at that. Yes. Uh, Seeing the Professor Hulk, because I actually forgot he was going to be in the movie. And then to see him be the entire, basically be in the entire movie, more or less. We saw Banner slightly at the beginning, but I've always been saying I just want a Hulk movie where he's Hulk all the time. <laughs> Who cares about Banner? And uh, Ragnar- Ragnarok gave a little bit of that. A little. But yeah, Professor Hulk was cool. Um, those at least uh, early scenes jump out to me. Alright. Um, I think, and obviously... I did the big ones. Yeah, what I was going to say is obviously the spoiler, uh, uh, the ban on spoilers has been lifted as of today, <laughs> thanks to the Russos. They came out and said it. Today is, uh, we're, we're recording this Monday, May 6th. I'm still going to ring the bell because there's still people that are lagging behind, but we are officially, officially in spoiler territory. We've already spoiled a few things. Here's the bell. You're forewarned. <laughs> Ding dong, spoiler alert. So, uh, my one of my favorite moments was one of my sister's least favorite moments was the reveal of Big Lebowski Thor, um, because you know in the wake of in the wake of um, not being able to reset things after they basically take out uh, Thanos uh, in their first mission of the movie. Thor goes into the big funk and basically goes to seed and drinks himself silly and puts on a ton of weight and plays Fortnite. Apparently I didn't realize that I was telling PC and underscore dirt before the show started. I didn't recognize that right away. It just came on the screen very quickly. Oh, that was one of the few times my son shouted. It's Fortnite. <laughs> and he was so excited. So I, exactly what you said earlier, every bit of fan service that they could throw in there. They right. So, um, yeah, I know that was that, that was one of the uh, one of my favorite scenes was the reveal because I know there must have been some slack jawed uh, uh, female fans in the theater like, <gasps> what are they doing? Yeah, but now I can officially say that I have Thor's physique, <laughs> and that's something I just couldn't do before. But <laughs> I'm oh, forgive me for not having my sound effects running at full speed. Um, Oh, let's see. I mean, there's lots of, you know, and, and I, I, I like the- I like that Ant-Man was a big focus sure. um, because I like having one of the smaller characters stand out, um, especially one as fun and lighthearted as Ant-Man to be a, a part of it. And for him to constantly be because you know, the movie in many ways is so dark. And so him constantly being there to, to lighten things up 
and to add the the levity to it the scenes with the tacos when the uh, spaceship comes and lands you know all that kind of stuff just adds to to just having some lighthearted fun as the movie's going along gotcha um and along with that when they get into some of the time travel some of the stuff where they're sneaking around and you know they cgi them into the shots or they have these really bad kind of alternate takes where you just see the back of someone's head and you're supposed mm-hmm. to believe that that's the shot from the original movie and whatever. Um, I did like the guardians of the galaxy intro where you just hear star Lord, like, and you hear the, the, you know, like the feet squeaking on the ground and whatever, while he's walking and doing the dance. Cause you're not hearing the music from the soundtrack. So I love that they threw in some of that fun stuff. That was some of the stuff that I enjoyed the most. Sure. 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 Um, you know, that's uh, you, you kind of bleeding into the next category, which was uh, our favorite character arc. So we can kind of intersperse our favorite scenes with the favorite character arc, because um, I think despite my misgivings, I think my favorite character arc of the movie is for Captain America. Um, you know, we get to the we get some of the fan service uh, points right towards the end where uh, Cap, it, you know, and like I said, I rang the bell. You're forewarned when Cap gets Mjolnir and he calls it to him. That that caused the biggest ruckus in my theater. And it was comparable to uh, Hulk bashing Loki in the first one where everyone's just like yelling out in glee and amazement and, and, and just joy where I didn't hear a word that Thor said in the, you know, in the wake of that. Apparently he says, I knew it or something like that. I mm-hmm. knew you were worthy. I, yeah, yeah. I did not hear a single peep out of Thor during that time. So, um, you know, I think, uh, you know, that was one of my favorite scenes. And, you know, I'll get into the arc of Captain America when we talk about maybe some of the, um, the endings that we saw. My favorite character arc would probably be Thor's just because he... He sort of still blames himself for not going for the head originally and everyone being snapped to begin with. And then uh, when Rocket and Banner go to recruit him for their time heist, just the mention of Thanos, like, stops him dead in his tracks. And he's, you can tell he's still suffering, like, PS, PTSD. PTSD. Uh, but then he gets his group back after talk to his mom and... Uh, once he, you know, has both Hammer and uh, Mjolnir and Stormbreaker, you know, the gods update his look, but yet they still keep him uh, chubby. <laughs> so can't erase that so easily. That yeah, since we have tried. I've tried. Right. <laughs> I didn't see them uh, decide to go off into space and join the Guardians was a nice twist. Right. Right. I know some of my uh, the, the friends I went to go see the film with. One of their favorite moments was when uh, Thor was dual wielding Mjolnir and Stormbreaker, and he crossed them in an X, and it was just one of those. You know, that's not even fan service. You're not expecting that at all. That was uh, just a really cool moment. Another favorite, actually, my probably my favorite scene that I remember is uh, when Cat passes the shield to Sam. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, did you notice, Tim, real quick, did you notice that the shield had a different uh, look to it? I did not. I plan on going again, but, you know, I own one of the the Marvel Legend replicas, and, you know, I've seen the Captain America movies a million times, and I feel like the close-up of the shield made it look different. 
that was constructed differently. And I wonder if that's going to be part well, of what is going to, you know, come I, in the future. Yeah. I read something about that earlier. Um, there was a scene trying to remember. They also teach the directors. They've been like every day is a different interview with them. Well, yeah. Writers yeah, yeah. And directors. And one of the first ones I know, I think one of the, I forget if it was the writers or directors was saying that, um, Oh, when Sam has it and has the shield and Cap asks, how does it feel? And he says, it feels like someone else's. And I think Cap says, like, it's not or something like that. Mm-hmm. He was supposed, supposedly, like, teasing that it belonged to maybe Sam in another, whatever alternate reality Cap created when he stayed behind with Peggy. Well, there was a, a scene that was taken out of... I think it's Iron Man three um, where they're happy. Hogan is sitting there like inventorying all the stuff as they're moving it um, out of the Avengers. Uh, oh, that was actually for, for homecoming, right? Right. Oh, is it homecoming? And, yeah. and, he's, and he mentions Captain shield yeah. or something like, or like that. a prototype. Right. So it's, it's, they did have apparently another one sitting around somewhere. So, I mean, the next time you watch it, take a look at what, and what I'm referring to are the uh, the ridges, you know, in the in the shield, because you know, in the original Captain America movie, well, it's just uh, it, what it, what looks like what 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 turns into the stripes, you know, when it's painted are basically just layers in the disc, and it looks like the layers are a little different in the shield that Cap uh, hands to Sam. So what I was hoping for, the little bit of fan service I was hoping for, to eventually pay off. Uh, is that this is actually a vibranium steel alloy so that it's maybe even stronger than the shield that Mm. Thanos hacked to bits. Mm. So we'll see if that's right. We'll see if that's uh, something that pays off in the future. Yeah. So that's, that, that's pretty cool. I I, I like, I appreciate that. I appreciated that. uh, uh, The, the handoff. Um, it's of course, kind of that, funny. that scene brings its own problems, but right, <laughs> yeah. Because let's not talk about time travel. Because every time, every time I, 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 I like about, uh, I, I have my notebook in front of me with um, my thoughts on Endgame, and literally about like fourteen points in, thirteen points in, I write, God, I hate time travel. I just do. My next point is time travel sucks, and the point after is why did it have to be time travel? So. Maybe that's all going to be explained because of what we learned today in um, in the uh, trailer to Far From Home, Spider-Man Far From Home. Well, I think part of the problem is they, they made this ending where they wanted to have this scene between Sam and Cap. So they just went ahead and put it in there. And then someone said, hey, that doesn't match up with the rules that you've already established. Right. So then afterwards, they had to, you know, no prize it. And that, well, it's the alternate timeline universe, and he found a way to jump over to hand him the shield as an old man, and then he's going to go back or something. I don't know. I don't know about that because they literally, I mean, obviously, it's a, we have to take a little bit of uh, salt with uh, what with the information that's provided in the new trailer. The new trailer um, that we talked about, uh, we mentioned earlier for uh, Spider-Man: Far From Home. That dropped today, Monday, May sixth, directly teased a Marvel Cinematic Multiverse. Yeah, but... and 
you know the you know believe me i definitely understand the the problems with the time travel uh, well, well but, but part of my thing well we'll talk about far from home later right I've, I've got i've got another thing for that too so all right um but yeah so well i don't know th- that whole ending with cap and and falcon it's like i you know and then to have bucky there and you know, because originally Bucky would have been the next one and then Falcon would have been the third, right. you know, all of that. So, uh, you know, they they wanted to work out the scene and it made a nice little scene and, you know, they had their little moment. But, um, you know, that's one of those things that they they do that moment at the expense of the logic of the story, because when you're making a movie, it's it's more important to have that scene than to adequately explain it. So. You know, it's you. They just kind of come out later and say, "Well, it's an alternate universe that he was in, and he had to come over because otherwise, it makes no sense that Cap would just sit there for a couple decades, not get involved in any fights, yeah. not do anything about Hydra taking over, not do, you know, any of the heroic right. stuff that that comes to him naturally because of who he was before he became." So you end up with this moment where you're just like. You're like, okay, well, you're you're trying to save this, but it's not really saving it. Like you're you're kind of close, but you're mm-hmm. not quite at the point where you think you need to be with coming right. up with this explanation. Right. But at the same time, it's for the purpose of making the film better as a storyline, not that it's serving the purpose of making the rules of time travel cemented in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Sure. I agree with some of the points that you make because my first inclination coming out of the movie and my first feelings uh, that I expressed in my first discussion were exactly that. Like, so are you telling me that the cap that we all know sat through Korea or was a, a conscientious dissenter at some point in Vietnam and that somehow doesn't, doesn't, you know, change a million things. Well, yeah, and not only forward, that, but, but you know, Peggy Carter, when he met her in the first movie, she was old. She had already been married. She'd had a couple kids so technically he'd be stealing that life away from her. He'd be stealing those children away right. from her. So that's, you know, in a sense, uh, great. You've got your moment, but now you've destroyed the beautiful life that she had. Right. You Believe know? me, there's a lot of, there's, there's a lot to this that it's going to be hashed out. I hope. Um, but I once they come you. back and they just say, well, there's a bunch of stuff that happened off screen <laughs> that we didn't get into that would explain that. So, you know, don't worry about it. Right. You know, you, you just have to kind of roll with it. What I was going to say is what's funny is that I, you know, for there, there's plenty of people, um, you know, shout out to my mom um, who was a big fan of the first Captain America movie because it's really the only one that has a legit love story in it. Um, you know, you could argue about Iron Man and the arc with Pepper, but um, the first uh, Cap movie, what you know, had like a, a decent love story in it. And I remember uh my mom saying well she was disappointed that there was no happy ending and my my cynical superhero fan um in me came out and said there are no such thing as happy endings in these stories and it was kind of nice to see cap actually get his happy ending it's a shame that she's not here to see it but um i definitely know that there are fans out there who are happy who were happy to see that and those are the fans served by this ending yeah it is what it is. Right. I definitely, listen, I, I definitely, I'm glad that you brought that up and reminded me because I kind of had glossed, I had had this internal in the, in the week since the movie, I'd had that debate 
you know, internally and with and with other people about what we're supposed to make of Cap's ending. And I, I kind of settled on the fact that at least he got his happy ending. And, you know, they can uh, let the character go with that. Um, we can kind of fold this into uh, best surprises and worst surprises uh, in the movie when it comes to anything. Storytelling points, uh, how things are different from the Marvel comic universe as opposed to the cinematic universe. I'll start things off by saying it it was shocking to me to see. And they te- the, the Russos had teased this in the lead up to Endgame that there would be a distinct cost to the use of the Infinity Gauntlet. And I was shocked to see they really played that up. It's not something that we as comic readers are used to. Yeah, and um, I'd actually forgotten about the whole subplot until later on when I was talking to somebody after the movie, I'd forgotten about the whole thing where he had to go and have the gauntlet, uh, you know, specially made by the dwarves on the planet of whatever with the, whatever with the stuff, because of it's so powerful, you know, I'd, I'd forgotten all about that. I just remembered that he had a fancy glove that he had made to put his stones on. So, uh, you know, when, when you then see him and he's all burned up and part of that's from using the second time and all of that, um, that at least it raised the stakes of it enough that you knew it was going to come up again and someone was going to have to use it. And right. it was, it was going to be a problem. Right. So it, it did a good job of, of setting that expectation. Right. And it was so different from what we had known previously from reading the comics where the goal was to get the gauntlet and you could literally do anything. Right. And there was no cost to it. And I thought at least for the sake of the movie, I thought that was a good decision on their part. Yeah. yeah I agree. It, you have it down here, but didn't, um, like you say, how was Hawkeye able to claim the soul stone? And didn't guardians of the galaxy, uh, introduce that, like no regular human could possess a individual stone, but that's the reason star Lord, since he's like half alien or half eternal was able to hold right. power stone. My the, the that actually shout out to uh, an old friend of mine, Dave Lefkowitz, who uh, who who I had this discussion with. It was that was actually more about the mechanism at Vormir, but um, I think the deal with the, the 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 power stone is different from all the other stones because it's power, I guess. I guess I, you know that's how that's how I that's how I interpreted it. I mean, listen, that was another great moment where Thanos removes the Power Stone from the gauntlet to not Captain Marvel across the world, basically, like into like upstate New York, like further upstate New York. That was a great moment. Because uh, um, see, who all holds a, a, stole, a stone? Hawkeye gets the soul, Banner gets the time stone. Right. Um, and some others I'm forgetting, I'm sure. Because Tesseract. Yeah, I think, yeah, the touch right, exactly. Fine. Same with the staff and the mind stone. Right. So I do appreciate them uh, adding extra weight to the the stones by, you know, if you need hope to use it because it emits gamma. So he saw one. He was made for this, as he as he said uh, before his snap, and t- that's the reason Tony couldn't survive uh, doing his. So that was cool. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like there was another worst moment I had, but now I can't think of it. 
Well, while you're thinking of that, I'll, let me let me follow up on what I meant by how is Hawkeye able to claim the Soul Stone? The conversation that I had with my buddy uh, Dave was, you know, if it's Black Widow's sacrifice and she's sacrificing herself, how does how is uh, Clint able to claim the Soul Stone because he's not sacrificing anything? And Roddy Cat was, you know, Roddy Cat was basically uh, uh, of the mind that. Um, you know, when we discussed it, he was of the mind that he was just there. He was there to claim it since um, someone else had sacrificed themselves. My thing is, and the, you know, my friend mm-hmm. Dave and I kind of came to this conclusion was that, you know, you're, you're, lo- you're, you're sacrificing the thing you love most. At this point in the movie, Hawk had already lost his family. So right. what did he have left? And what he had left was his closest friend in the whole world. And right. that's who he lost. And that's how he was able to claim it. That's the only thing I could think of. And the two of them have a history off screen. Right. That they reference, you know, from time to this is like that time in Budapest, you know, and whatever, where they throw in those lines. So sure. the two of them have had time together where they have a bond and a friendship that's, you know, uh, amazingly enough, boys and girls can be friends without being a couple. Uh, I, just, I know it's weird, uh, but it happens. Um, but yeah, so so she with you know his his wife is gone, his kids are gone. Um, the the whole Ronan personality of him is like him giving up on everything that he had as a human and becoming this uh, machine, becoming what should have been the Punisher, making an appearance as well in this. But whatever, and um, you know she pulls him back, so she represents that humanity you know, coming back to him and he, in a sense, she saves him from destroying himself. So she is that bond that he has to this world. So for her to, to sacrifice herself, you know, that's, that's everything he has left. That was the one thing that was holding him to this world. That was the one thing that was keeping him tethered. Um, and now she's gone. So sure. Yeah. Uh, it makes total sense. Right. Uh, just a quick note, um, one of the best surprises during the time heist uh, uh, part of the story was uh, running into Robert Redford and Hydra and all the uh, uh, the, 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 the secretly Hydra shield agents. In and, the elevator? Yes, and then Cap gets into the elevator. And, um, you know, we're all anticipating that it's going to go down the same way it goes down in the movie. But as as, as, as we all know, there's no time for that. And Cap kind of nips that in the bud, and he, he he you never expect him to utter these words on screen, but when he does it, it's hysterical. It's 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 actually moving because they they they're calling out, they're calling back to this uh, really tough story in the comics, uh, you know, the most recent version of Secret Empire. So, um, you know, when he says "Hail Hydra," you know, another explosion in the theater. So, yeah, and at least here. They've done it, so now you know that they're not going to do that storyline in the movies because they used up the line here. So mm-hmm. I like, I, I I love the fact that they folded it into this part of the story. So now, you know, y- you don't have to bring it up again. Sure, 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 sure. Um, what did you guys think of the tra- the time travel? Because they obviously used a lot of extraneous or 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 uh, uh, let's say references to other movies that involve time travel. <laughs> uh, those of you watching on, 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 uh, on YouTube, 
can see that uh, th- the meme is this game makes no sense by the simple. Yeah, the the time travel, it it, it doesn't work. Yeah. <laughs> the, the way that they've written it is is fundamentally broken unless you you just go with the idea that that when you shrink down small enough not only can you move through time but you can also jump universes as well that's the only way it works yeah. because otherwise once they've grabbed the stuff and gone to the future there's no way to go back and and fix it because you've already changed it you know it's it's uh, it's one it's, of those it's so again, weird it goes well it goes back to the the thing i was using before with uh, austin powers uh you know, he's trying to talk about time travel and he goes cross-eyed in the middle of this conversation, <laughs> trying to figure out how the rules work. Right. Um, although I did, I heard a lot of people angry that they badmouth back to the future too. Uh, and that's, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, you, if you're going to do time travel and you're going to make fun of another movie that has time travel, then you better make sure your time travel works better than their time travel. And it's just as broken as the time travel from Back to the Future. So, right. I mean, I've heard people say that uh, you know they, they 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 it does what they need it to do, and um, also in Ant Man and the Wasp, they actually. And what's funny is that that's one of the movies that you that I've been telling people who need to catch up need to watch because a lot of the concepts introduced there um, become important in this movie specifically. Uh, the fact that there are, um, like, I forget what 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 uh, Janet Van Dyne, you know, as played by Michelle Pfeiffer, says to Scott about avoiding these uh, like temporal tubes or temporal things in the um, in the quantum realm because mm-hmm. that that leads you to travel through time. So they had already uh, they had already introduced that little bit of uh, uh, information in that movie. Um, uh, you know, po- that's post Infinity War, so that that obviously led us all to to speculate that time travel would be important here in Endgame. But uh, they did, you know, they did mention that. It's I don't think it's just a matter of going into the quantum realm. I think it's actually going into one of those like kind of side uh, uh, branches that that you can access when you're in the quantum realm. Maybe, yeah. Like I said, they, <laughs> it, it it does what they needed to do. And like I said, it was fun, at least, again, this being that wrap-up of everything and Far From Home being the epilogue. We'll see how that plays in exactly. But this technically is that wrap-up of everything. So doing the time travel does allow them to go back and show clips from the other movies, kind of play with them a little bit. You know, the guys in the background and body doubles and, and, you know blue screening them in the right spot and you know all that kind of messing around with uh with, with all that stuff so it, it, it again it added some fun to it as they were able to right. kind of play around with with stuff that happened in the other movies right and shooting some new scenes with some old you know old favorite characters like uh uh putting in you know into camp lehigh putting uh uh howard stark the version of Howard Stark, I guess they wanted was uh, the John Slattery version. I would have been okay with the uh, the, the TV version. Was it Dominic Cooper? Um, going back to that particular time period, so you know when they shot those scenes at Camp Lehigh, that was uh, that was nice to see. You know, obviously the scene with um, with Tony and his father finally getting to you know say their goodbyes and 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 their farewells because of what I believe is that. 
the Winter Soldier knocks the Starks off soon after that. And, um, you know, also, uh, what my understanding is that they actually didn't bring Natalie Portman all the way back. She just did some voice work. But it was nice to see her come back and Rene Russo obviously filmed some brand new stuff as uh, as Freya from uh, Dark World era Thor. So it was nice to see they were able to bring her back and give her some, you know, some more and, and give the, the characters a nice, uh, a nice closure as well. But no Anthony Hopkins. No, 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 no. You're, you're paying enough for all these other people. <laughs> Eagle-eyed uh, fantasy sports fans would also recognize that uh, ESPN's Matthew Berry was one of the uh, Hydra agents walking along with uh, Robert Redford. Really? Avengers Cyrus. And now it's funny because I recognized him. I was like, that kind of looks like Matthew Berry. But I was like, nah, it can't be. And then uh, I think over the weekend or end of last week, he uh, they confirmed it. I read an article confirming it was him. That's hysterical. That's funny. I did not know that. Yep. I need like to go he, back. He gets FaceTime. Like you see him. Wow. Did you guys, uh, Dirt, you only saw it once, right? I've only seen it once. I plan on seeing it again. Um, what about you, Tim? Uh, I watched it again yesterday, actually. Nice. On the down low. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <was a> fire stick. <laughs> <laughs> My brother got me. Nice. Yeah. Um, you know, just to throw it out there, but I usually don't see the movies right away. But I had a friend who he had bought a ticket for someone else to see it, and the person didn't realize it was three hours. Mm-hmm. So they had to go to work at a certain time and they realized they'd only be about two and a half hours into the movie uh, by the time he'd have to leave to go to work. So right. he realized he couldn't go see the movie. So I ended up, you know, getting this text like, hey, we've got an extra ticket, you know, to come see it this weekend. And well, I guess if you've already got the ticket, I'll go. So I went um, and actually the theater was not packed, but it was also like 11 30 on a Sunday morning. So <laughs> that may have something to do with it. Yeah, that's, uh, you know, that, 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 that probably does. Uh, I definitely want to rewatch it. Uh, I had some, you know, kind of tough seats. I was close to the front, but I was in the middle. So all I had to do was sit back and put my head back. And there I was watching the entire thing. I want to see it on, I want to see it in, um, IMAX. That's where I saw I saw it in the one legit IMAX theater, and I was like leaning up to look at the top of the screen to get the entire thing in. So hopefully, as uh, the crowds die down a little bit, I might go back to watch it in IMAX and you know, you from a better seat. Do you still have the 4D theater around you with the rumble in the seats and the things that move while you're watching? And we do. I don't know if um, I honestly don't know if uh, uh, Endgame is playing in that. I'm gonna have to look that up. That's a good reminder. There's one 4D theater in, in New York City that I knew of, but that was from uh, back around uh, Civil War. So that's been, it's been a while since I, since I, uh, I, I went to uh, see a 4D movie. I'm, I'm going to see if that's still working. All right. Um, uh, so we've been talking about them, some of the best and worst fan service moments. I don't know if you guys had any that you wanted to bring up. Well, I mean, you know, exactly. Like they'd sort of, they've been coming up in our yeah. conversation. So, uh, if we're not going to come up with anything about that, 
then we'll just jump to um, why Thor's new look was necessary, according to uh, the Russo brothers, the directors of the movie. Wait, wait, say that second part again. Oh, I only, I'll just repeat myself. Why Thor's new look was necessary, according to the Russos, the oh. directors of the movie. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> go ahead tim go ahead i was gonna say uh it was basically just to show his uh how depressed he was right right i mean it made sense right that was they, they said it was necessary and and and, and as i mentioned earlier in the show uh, i'm sure there were female fans who were very very disappointed <laughs> I heard okay so the the one argument I've really heard about the whole Thor thing is that um when you look at Iron Man 3 and in Iron Man 3 Tony Stark is clearly fighting the post traumatic stress disorder he is freaking out he's in a restaurant and um you know he's got the little kid there and I, I think Rhodey is there and he starts you know, having a panic attack and and he can't breathe and hyperventilating and whatever. And, and, and a lot of that movie is dealing with him as a regular person trying to be a superhero and right. playing with that idea of like, you're in over your head and it's hard for you to deal with. And so people argued that Thor, you know, basically turning into me with long hair, um, <laughs> basically makes fun of this idea of, of how you deal with stress and you deal with, with the guilt of these things and whatever. But the problem is um, one Thor is not a regular person. So right. that changes things. But two, everybody deals with stress differently. Um, and, and there have been people, you know, I've been with that. We were in a car accident at the same time and I reacted to it differently than they reacted to it. We're both in the same thing at the same time, the same event. We're both passengers. Um, you know, neither one of us was driving, but it hit them a lot harder for whatever reason, because that's just where their headspace was. Mm -hmm. um, and, and maybe that's just how they deal with stress and deal with whatever. So different people deal with things different ways. Sure. And so you, you, you can make the argument that it's not as it's not treated as seriously as the way it was treated with Tony. And sure, I'll agree with that. But you can't argue that they have to both react the same way and, and it's going to take just as long and it's going to be just as serious. And it's going to be just as hard because some people snap out of those things and some people deal with it for the rest of their lives. Sure. So, you, you know, you, I, I don't, the, the problem is some people take it as, well, I've dealt with stress and I don't like the way that they do it because then it's making fun of me and it feels like it's devaluing what I went through and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, it's not about you. It's not like the Russo brothers did not write a script going, mm -hmm. Hey, Joe Smith in Cleveland, Ohio, we're going to make fun of you in this movie and we're going to use Thor to do it. So, right. you know, you got to kind of let that stuff go. You don't agree with it. That's fine. You cannot agree with it, but you can't act like it's an attack on you because it really isn't. It's wild because everyone, well, maybe not everyone, but I heard a lot of, uh, sun, you know, Monday morning quarterbacking in the wake of Infinity War about you know how Thor didn't go for the head, and it's really uh, to the Russos' credit that they followed up on that uh, note directly in the next movie, and they had Thor dealing with 
the ramifications of that move and how they really couldn't make things better after they, you know, during the uh, the first uh, revenge mission after uh, uh, Iron Man comes back from space. So, yeah, and you'd like to think that you know originally this was a two parter. Uh, this is supposed to be Infinity War one and two, right? And instead, it became Infinity War and Endgame. So, you'd like to think that that some of the stuff was obviously a setup for something happening in the second movie. So why didn't Thor just cut off his head at whatever point? Well, because he does it later and it doesn't work out the way you expect. So, um, so yeah, that's again, you just, you just have to go. It's a movie stuff is going to happen to make the story flow the way they want the story to go. You have to kind of give up on some of the rules every once in a while, just to let the scenes happen. Sure. All right. Well, we can move on to unless anyone else has anyone anything they want to bring up, we can move on to what's next for uh, the MCU characters and storylines. And this folds directly into well, we can fold directly into this conversation what we learned from the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. Multiverse. Exactly. Uh, I think that's a red herring. You don't you you think it's going to be a red herring? I think it's a red herring. I like that they're using multiverse, and I've always associated that word with DC. Just saying. Okay. Yeah, uh, I don't. Yeah, because well, I mean, they always call it Earth six one six. Yeah, it's, it's I'm, part I'm sure. of. A, but but yeah, I don't I don't know that that multiverse was a term that they naturally used a lot. Um, but but here's the thing. So we know that that technically Far From Home is the epilogue to this grand storytelling thing. And right. what they show in the trailer is that Mysterio appears. He claims to be a superhero from an alternate dimension. Um, and he needs their help with whatever to fix something. And um, we all know who Mysterio is. So this right. is. We, we we know that he's playing some sort of game because we know that he is actually a villain um, and he's trying something. So th- the thing for me is that when you watch the trailer, it opens with Tom Holland standing there saying, hey, uh, first of all, I'm very, very British. And you don't know that because I always cover up my accent. And then <laughs> being, um, it, it, you, you have to watch Endgame before you watch this trailer because there's a lot of big spoilers for stuff that happens in Endgame in this trailer. And of course, right. the trailer starts and the very first thing is Tony Stark is dead. Iron Man is dead. Uh, and, and Peter's really sad about that. So for me, putting these different pieces together, you've got a villain pretending to be a hero who's a liar and a, a show off. You've got Peter really sad about Stark being dead. You've got Nick Fury and shield or the remnants of, you know, whatever this group is that he has together that are going to try to help Mysterio with whatever. I get this feeling like Mysterio is playing a con and maybe he found like some vulture tech and he retrofitted it to be what he wanted to be, mm-hmm. pretends to be a superhero, claims to be from another universe, says he needs whatever tech from um, from Nick Fury and all those guys. So they're trying to work with him to get him something he says he needs. And I see Peter sitting there saying, if this guy can open a portal to another universe, I want to go see Mr. Stark. I want to 
try to save him or live in the universe where he still exists or steal him from the universe and bring him back, whatever. And that's eventually going to lead to the downfall of Mysterio because he's going to find out that Mysterio is a liar. He's really not from another universe. Uh, he really is a villain trying to steal some sort of technology that he thinks he can get from Nick Fury. And that desire to get to another universe where Tony Stark still lives is going to be what gives away the fact that Mysterio isn't actually from a parallel universe. He's just lying is part of his act to pretend to be a hero. That's definitely a possibility for the story. That's, you know, that's a, that's a pretty well thought out, uh, uh, summary of what this movie could be. What I'm imagining is that uh, I don't know if you read Spider Men, that big yeah. story. My yeah. understanding, I, at least what I thought that uh, they might be uh, hinting at, is that is that story with Mysterio playing a large part. Possible, maybe. But the problem is the Ultimate Universe was technically what they've turned into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, they lifted a lot of those concepts and brought them over and reworked them for cinematics. So do they open a portal to, like, the regular Marvel Universe? Like, are we going to see... Does he open a portal and we see the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and, you know, all of those guys? Because if if they do that... Okay, so here's the thing. If, if they do that in this movie, where they go and they actually do open an alternate universe and you do see... Uh, Reed Richards and you see Cyclops and you see Wolverine and you see uh, you know all of these characters that you they can even see the spider characters I've, I said you know I, I noted that we might see some of the other Sony spider characters right you, you see a spider ham maybe makes an appearance yeah. may, maybe they'll do a thing where you see uh, Howard the Duck and spider ham and Rocket Raccoon and <laughs> like they're all having a conversation whatever but if they do that uh, then I will buy a ticket to see that movie every day for a week. Uh, if if they show us the X-Men and the Fantastic Four and the regular Marvel Universe all in one movie. Because I have a feeling that's how they're going to incorporate all of these characters. Now that they, I mean, like I said, huge grain of salt, lots of salt um, to take with these with these trailers. But, you know. I I really expect it to be that he's just, line and peter's desire to see tony stark one more time is what's gonna unravel the whole thing there's also theories that i read online that um what they're what they're referring to with the with what happened in the snap are incursions a la secret wars the lead up to um hickman secret wars and that's how they're going to fold everybody in wait what there's so many possibilities that right i love it like so, I was thinking earlier, like they could do this to introduce like the Savage Land or Weird Weird World, uh, Thunderbolts from another dim- uh, dimension. That since there aren't enough like villains to uh, form a Thunderbolts team currently in the MCU, they could show up and be like, "Hey, we're heroes from this other world." Sure. So, Dirt, what what I was what I was referring to is I I wish I had a citation for it. Uh, if I googled it, I could probably find it. There's, uh, I read an article and there's definitely some follow up on it where the thought is, if what Nick Fury says is true, and at the you know with the with the snap, um, various uh, uh, incursions came from other dimensions. That 
sounds a lot like the lead up to Hickman's Secret Wars, and that would be how everyone comes together, is that it's going to be a Secret War style um, battle world where everything is mushed together. That's how they bring in all the other characters. Um, wait, but I'm confused. What what incursions were happening because of the snaps? We don't know yet, but that's what... Um, but that's what uh, the theory is, is that, you know, other dimensions were opened up during the snap and those were quote unquote incursions, including how Mysterio makes, because your, your theory is that it's a red herring, but right. let's say it's not. Hmm. And that leads into a secret wars battle world style. Um, I mean, um, Hickman style, not old school, uh, beyonder style. Maybe uh, we do have to. I, I do want to shout out real quick. The Armored Advocate actually jumped in the uh, chat room here, so uh, I'm glad to see someone jumping into the chat for uh, on YouTube. So thanks for being here. Hey, um, but I, I don't know because I maybe if they're going to do something with that, maybe that could be something that happens towards the end of the film. Maybe there's something he's maybe he's not really from a parallel dimension, but shield tries to build what he wants maybe he's trying to build something for an alternate dimension and he ends up opening the portal to let spider-man war in or something you know who knows but mm-hmm. i don't know it just seems to me like that would be too Th- that would be the setup for like like unraveling towards the secret wars being the the the, the 20 year end game of the marvel cinematic universe right that's my point like that would be the build like all of the the following movies would build to that. Well, but that's what I'm so this one, but I would say Mysterio still wouldn't be from a parallel universe, but him saying that and then believing it makes them start to work on technology they think is mm-hmm. going to create that and then they end up creating it and it causes a thing later on. But I don't know. It's well, fair enough. Well, listen, the fact that we can even have this conversation is awesome. <laughs> that we can go back and forth and be like, hey, this is where they might go. I mean, Although, after 12, no, after 11 years of movies, can you imagine? You know, like, I'm just thankful that we're still doing it. Although, I am going to be much more judicious in watching the Marvel Cinematic offerings <laughs> in, in this next decade of movies uh, <laughs> because I am very marveled out. Uh, with these movies at this point, it's going to be one of those things where I don't need another origin story. Uh, I don't need, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm much more, like I said, I've much, I've become much more interested in the guardians and the ant-mans than watching like civil war to me was a disappointment of a film. And I know that a bunch of people are going to set pictures of me on fire and effigy because I said that, but you know, it's, it's the smaller ones that the more lighthearted ones that I'm enjoying more than some of the bigger epic ones that they're throwing out there. So as we go into the next phase, phase five or volume two, phase one or whatever they're going to call it. Right. Um, as the, as we go into that, I've, I've learned <laughs> that with as much attention as these movies get, like you really don't have to watch them to absorb what's important in them. And even then I can really wait three, four months, even uh, home video uh, streaming on epics or Amazon or whatever, and just catch them uh, when they hit that route because it seems uh, to be Disney plus. Yeah. Uh, but you know, 
I think that's fair for the people who are not as invested in the in the movie to movie storyline. Um, I'm 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 looking forward to how they follow up on on the uh, post snap realities of some of the characters that we know we're getting um, sequel movies like Black Panther, like um, uh, well. We're going to see an Eternals movie that's going to be uh, rooted very deep in space. We'll see how that works out. Uh, I forget what else has been confirmed. I mean, not too much has been confirmed, but what, but there's uh, some idea of where these uh, movies are going to go in the next. Honestly, the, what I'm really hopeful is when uh, Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, subtitled as Guardians of the Galaxy, comes out, uh, <laughs> that now that they have Stormbreaker and the hammer and now that Thor is back and he's out in space, now we're going to get beta Ray bill. Yes. Because they've got to, if they do not do a beta Ray bill, when they've got Thor in space, I'm going to pull my hair out and set things on fire. (laughs) It's the perfect time to do it. And I'm, I'm pretty sure uh, it's, it's going to happen. If I'm going to give him uh, what's beta Ray bills hammer called Stormbreaker. Oh, (laughs) <laughs> right it's it's going to be a different dynamic than the comic because um the whole po- the whole the whole part of uh uh beta ray bill was that he was one of the few people that was also worthy and you know he he defeated even though uh it was another one of uh, odin's um uh not tricks but he definitely uh there, there was a there was a uh, hand-to-hand combat between uh beta ray bill and thor but without the hammer and uh odin sent them to muspelheim which is a lot more uh it, which was very similar to um beta ray bill's home planet which was really hot and that really gave him the advantage um in their hand-to-hand combat so that was another scheme by odin to kind of humble thor a little bit and at the end of the day, they're both worthy. Odin gives them both hammers. Um, and, you know, they, they go on to fight. And that was the, the, the you know, that's that storyline in, in very short form. But uh, it'd be interesting to see how they transform that in uh, the next Guardians movie. I also yeah. read that uh, Quasar might be introduced in the next Guardians movie also. Hmm. And, well, if they're going to do Quasar... Then they might as well do Barry Allen Flash, um, <laughs> calling himself Burned Alien or something. Right, I forget right, what right, my right. name was. Uh, they could just have some really fast-running guy with long blonde hair and a beard appear out in the middle of space. Oh, uh, that's a good. That's a good callback, Dirt. That's a good one. That's you know. <laughs> Quasar was one of those series that that I absolutely loved when I was in junior high and high school. So. Uh, I don't. I have no explanation for it other than it was just not the rest of the Marvel universe. So maybe that's right. why I gravitated towards it. But that was I a mean, fun series. Sure. I mean, you know, I'm 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 ho- I'm hoping at some point they introduce the Nova Corps as we know them. Even though Xandar has been destroyed, hopefully out of the ruins of of that, they can produce uh, a, a Nova Corps that has you know people that fly around because of bucket hel- you know bucket helmets right well and and this gives them the opportunity now that you know space needs 
is going to need some policing again. So sure. they could probably find the remnants of a couple Nova Corps guys out in the middle of deep space. And they've done that before in the comics where they've had to rebuild the core and, you know, kind of like they do with uh, Green Lantern. You know, it's the it's the, right. it's the Marvel version of the Green Lantern Corps. Um, but but they could do that. That could be a movie. And if they're going to do Quasar, you can do Quasar and Nova. Uh, those go together very, very well. And they have in the comics several times. So uh, uh, expanding that intergalactic stuff really opens a lot of opportunities to see that that Absolutely. stuff happen. Um, and it also, you know, it's able to keep them away from the rest of the stuff happening in the, the regular Marvel universe. You can have Ego, the living planet, uh, attack, and it doesn't have to, uh, you know, put Earth in danger. Sure. You know? Sure. Um, so we're going to start wrapping our conversation. I wanted to bring up one point that uh, circles back to something we discuss, uh, discussed earlier about... Um, favorite scenes and, and some of the fan service that we got. I wanted to mention that uh, we actually got some crossover from Marvel television over into Marvel movies. And that was Jarvis, the character, the actor, James Darcy, who played Jarvis during the agent Carter television show mm. made his appearance as Jarvis in the movies. And I couldn't help but like just sit there slack jawed because I think a lot of people were like, whoa, they couldn't clap. They were just shocked to see it. And I know that in I read in uh, the, the, the New York Times had an interview with Mar with the writers, Marcus and McFeely, and they stated that Jarvis was the only television character that crossed back to the movies. And it was pretty, you know, I was I was sad to see that. Um and I was sad to see that the one of the few characters that crossed from the movies to TV didn't make it in this movie. Hello, Lady Sif. Where are you? Are you too busy filming Blind Spot? Well, I, I was uh, really, really confused during that scene of the funeral where it's moving through and you see everybody standing there. And okay. so you, you, you're like, oh, there's, uh, you know... Um, the, the guy from that movie and there's the characters from that movie and there's the person from that movie. And then there's this kid and I'm like, well, that's not Spider-Man who, what? And it moves on and it moves on and it moves on and it goes up on the porch. And I'm like, what, who's that kid? Uh, turns out that was the little kid from Iron Man three. Right. Uh, who was running around with them. I was like, what a weird random person to throw in there unless he's going to play some part going forward uh, is, possible. He, is he set to be the next iron man like is that uh you know because he's there you know they they made the point of showing him so there's got to be something more that he's going to play other than just the fact that he was in a movie so they're going to use him even you bumped on it you know someone who doesn't watch all the movies you still recognize the actors who are playing you know uh uh you know some of the uh the characters in the other movies and uh yeah, and I was disappointed in this one that we didn't get Daredevil and we didn't get Punisher and we didn't get um, Luke Cage and, you know, just like none of those people, uh, even the the big battle scene where they were bringing everybody in, I thought for sure they'd want to have Luke Cage step through a thing and have Iron Fist, you know, standing there with them, do some sort of thing right there. And they it it never came up. I guess it just didn't occur to them. Now, unfortunately, I think that's a legal thing where I think the Netflix characters are like barred. There's like a no compete in, in the cancellation. So that mm -hmm. uh, 
they they can't be on screen for two years post cancellation. So within that, we're still within that window. So that's how they keep them from automatically appearing in the Disney right platform. The shows canceled at that time. Well, yeah, but what I'm saying is, even though those shows are canceled, they could have had the actors come in to make an appearance because it is the growing Marvel universe. But... They don't care about TV. Yeah, but they couldn't do it for two. They still can't do it for two years. My biggest problem was that you know, poor Lady Sif got shafted. Like, where is she? So you know, even if she got snapped, she should have come back. Uh, you know, they had that little call but out with, to, with uh, whole, force. But know, with, they had all the lady character, all the female characters, um, uh, assembled to uh, to help Captain Marvel. It would have been nice to see her as part of that group. But when Hulk did the snap, would he have been familiar with her to bring her back? I think the idea was to bring everybody back. Well, yeah, but wouldn't he have to know? I don't think so. Because he didn't bring Gamora. He couldn't. Uh, died. But he couldn't. I think the... I think well, I guess if you die for the stone, exactly. I think that but was it's a different, but it's a it's a different stone because that was that's the stone <laughs> that Black Widow died for. I love it, I love it, you know. But uh, but yeah, we could go on and on about this movie. But I want to wrap up our discussion by um, ranking our current top five MCU movies. We kind of discussed this earlier. Um, this, it'll be our final point of discussion for the night. Um, do you guys have your current top five MCU movies ready to rank? In some kind of order, sure. Yeah, fire I mean, away. Not in any order, but um, Winter Soldier, uh, Civil War, Guardians 1, mm-hmm. Endgame, and Infinity War. Sure, why not? Nice. That works. That works. I'll follow up. I uh, I agree. I still think Winter Soldier. I'll rank them. Um, Winter Soldier, I think, is still my favorite movie. That's the one I can actually have on in the background or tune in at any time uh, if I happen to see it on like uh, USA, and I'll just flip it on. And be like, oh, this is a great scene. I'll I'll, uh, I'll 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 stick with this, or I'll pull it up on digital and and just start start playing it while I'm doing something else or drawing at my drawing table or whatever. I'll have that on. Um, number two, I would probably put um, Infinity War number two and Endgame at number two, kind of tight because they're they're kind of the same. You know, they're, they're two parts of the same movie tied together. So those that's would, cheating. That's cheating. It is cheating. I know, but I would put them as number two. <laughs> it is cheating. I'd put them as number two. Uh, number three would be. I think I'm I'm a sucker for. Um, the first Captain America, um, I, I happen to like that. It's an underrated origin story, I think. And um, number four is probably going to be uh, the first Guardians, and number five would be the first Avengers movie. Hmm. Um. Okay, so I'm not going to rank these, um, but these these would be the five. Um, I, I would say the original Iron Man. Okay. Um, it, it still has its charm, even it's after all. Yeah. yeah, it still stands very well. Um, Winter Soldier, also, I uh, love that. Um, I'm kind of torn with Ant Man or Ant Man and Wasp, uh, but I think I would go with the first one uh, over the second one. Uh, Thor Ragnarok, obviously, uh, I love 
love everything about that one. And then Guardians Volume 2, I would put over the first. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's not that's not the, uh, the, the 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 thing that you hear most often. That's interesting. Okay, all right. So uh, unfortunately, Roddy Cat was not able to join us. I know that he's been chiming in online. Um, in any event, um, I think we're going to wrap our conversation here. Please make sure to join us every Thursday night at nine ish. Hopefully, we don't run into any more. Uh, audio and video gremlins as we did tonight uh we did not intend to start so late and stay on so long but thank you for staying with us um you can follow us on our uh, various social media accounts um uh, tim dog is at, at tim dog 98 on twitter uh, the at pcn underscore dirt is on twitter uh you can follow myself at agent underscore 70 on twitter and you can follow roddy cat at at roddy cat on twitter um and uh, our various social media accounts uh thank you for joining us on our latest treasury edition uh to discuss avengers endgame and if uh, pcn underscore dirt can queue up our uh trailer video to so we can uh head out that'd be much appreciated uh that's not where i thought you were going so uh (laughs) keep talking for a minute then no worries no worries no worries so uh, make sure to follow us on our various social media feeds and uh, tune in to uh, our regular show, 9-ish, Thursday nights, Eastern Time. Um, our podcast drops soon thereafter, if not the next day, the day after in the morning. And um, thanks for joining us tonight. And whenever right, we're, we're, we're getting there, we're getting there. <laughs> I wish I had my sound effects queued up. Um, but thank you, you know, thank you, uh, Tim Dog ninety eight for uh, making time and joining us. Hopefully, you can do it more often. Ditto. All right, and here we go. We're si- getting ready to uh, sign off. Peace. Would you believe it? it's it's Doctor Doom? What's on your evil mind? Oh, you insulting tongue and mock my words. Well. <laughs> Of this woman, you are leaving higher, Mr. Stark.